The title of this message is um, A Love Affair. And uh, I guess I'm going to challenge you all to have an affair. (laughs) I know. Doesn't sound right. (laughs) But I am. I'm challenging you all to have an affair. Webster's Dictionary defines an affair as an intense, amorous relationship. Some of us know what that feels like. Um, Hopefully you know what that feels like with your spouse, (laughs) for those who are married. Kids... I pray for you that you find that with your spouse. What I'm talking about is, and that's why this, that ending with that song, because it was talking about being completely overcome with love. And That's what I want to challenge you guys with, is to have a relationship so big and so passionate that it overwhelms you. It's really important to have that relationship with your spouse. It's important to have that kind of relationship with your children. Some people have it with their cat or, or dogs. <laughs> but I'm talking about a relationship that surpasses even that. that. That those relationships pale in comparison. Um... I feel like God go God teaches us things in seasons. We will go through little we will go through little or sometimes very big seasons in our life where God is stretching us and growing us. And we come to those seasons in different ways. But I'm going to share with you guys today about the season that I'm in right now. And I'm going to tell you how we got there, or how I got there. Uh, Back in December, you guys will remember that Caleb and I and Dan and Natalie went to the One Thing Conference. And uh, if you ever have the opportunity to go, go. Um, It's really an amazing thing. They gear it towards young adults and, and younger people, but... I saw an 80-year-old woman with dreads and holes in her pants praising the Lord right up there in the front, and they didn't care. So seriously, like, it is, it, all ages are more than welcome. You know, and, and I don't believe that God's love and God's word for, uh, is contained in age groups. I don't believe there's age brackets on that kind of stuff. <laughs> so um, if you ever get a chance, Go. But this was the second time 
that Caleb and I went. This was Dan Natalie's first time, and the first time we went, it was really great. I had an amazing time. It was an awesome experience for me and Caleb and the kids. Um, but this this one that we went to last um, in December, there was one message that I have rewatched and re-listened to probably five or six times in the last four and a half months. And it was by a gentleman named Alan Hood. And if you ever have the opportunity to, to listen to anything he has to say, I, I want to encourage you guys. Um, he is a con- he's one of the constant speakers at um, IOP. So if you have, you know, there's podcasts and you, there's plenty of opportunities to listen to this guy. And he's absolutely amazing. And every year with one thing, he stands up and he spends the first 20 minutes bringing his children up. Who are all there? He has like four boys now, I think, and they're all getting grown. They're young adults to late teens, and he has them speak, and he gushes over how proud of his kids he is. And I really like that because I, I'm kind of like that. I tend to gush over my kids and talk about them all the time. But, anyways, I'm rambling. His message was one of those messages that night. It changed me. It was one of those messages like he's speaking, and I'm standing there like this sobbing (laughs) like I had to go back and re-listen to it because there was no way I could have caught everything he said because I was too busy sobbing so the last four and a half months God has been really dealing with me about this and I was talking to Aaron about what I wanted to preach this week and he's like well what's God talking to you about and I was like God's still talking to me and dealing with me about this and that and he goes then preach that He's like, preach what you're passionate about right now. And right now, God is teaching me how to be passionately and fervently in love with him. And so that's what I'm going to talk about to you with you guys today. Being passionately, overwhelmingly in love with God. Hmm? I can't hear you. It's morning. Did I say tonight? Well, I meant this morning. You guys knew what I meant. (laughs) About eight months ago, Caleb and I were talking, and we were just talking about things that we needed to work on and stuff, and I told him that I struggle, in confession time, I struggle with being more in love with Caleb than I am with God. But the thing is, is I can do this, <laughs> you know, and it's easier to be in love with a, with a person, which if you're ever struggling in a marriage, that's, that might be difficult to understand or feel at the moment, but it is. It's easier to be in love with a person than it is to be in love with God. It might not be a popular thing to say, but if we're honest, it's true. It's much easier for me to serve Caleb than it is for me to serve God. Where is a great place for you to start? Where do we start with this? I mean, because you got to start somewhere. When If you feel like, okay, God, i got to work on this, and I hope someone's challenged, I hope you guys are encouraged or challenged a little bit to, to work more in this area in your life, but where's a great place to start? Gwen? 
praying and asking him? Jeff? Your alone time? Cell groups? What did we just finish doing? Worship. Is there anyone in this room that doesn't like music? Oh, whatever. Put your hand down. You're full of it. I know you like music. Get in the car and the first thing he hears, can we listen to happiness? <laughs> Loves music. Worship is a great place to start. We've actually, it's been kind of a common theme that we've been talking about lately. Um, is our worship. Aaron's been standing up here for the last several weeks shouting some very <laughs> kind of word. What, what is the word? Shabak. Shavak. You guys are passionate about that word. <laughs> I always feel like I need to like pack something up with it. Anyways, you, he has been up here claiming that word over you guys and, and, and getting you guys to proclaim it back. And Has anyone else been feeling a little bit different in their worship lately? It's been a little bit more powerful this, these last couple of weeks. And, and you guys have been, I've been hearing you sing more and shout out more. And, and it's a great place to start. So I want you guys to evaluate just a couple things. Where to start. What do, does your worship look like? What are you doing when you're in worship? You're reaching to God. What's your body language doing? Dancing? Maybe your arms are up? Or are you sitting in the back with your arms crossed like this? Nah. Nah. I remember we used to have a lady at the old church used to sit in the back with her fingers in her ears because she thought it was too loud. Now, you're not going to get squat out of it if that's the attitude you go in with. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't even have to really like the way it sounds or the songs necessarily. They don't have to be your favorite. They don't. They're not all her favorites, yet she sings her heart out every week. <laughs> you know, I was telling her last week that uh, we do it every Easter, Hosanna. It's not one of my favorites. It's one of those songs I have to, like, I have to go, okay, God, you could work with this. <laughs> and the thing is, but my daughter sings it all the time. She loves it when it comes on the radio. It's a song that speaks to her heart. So my point is, is you don't have to necessarily like the song that's being sang or the, the, the noise level of the song or... But the thing is, is it is an opportunity to reach out to God, to encounter him, to feel him, to tell him you love him. I'm, and I want to encourage you guys to put your bodies, your physical bodies, in a position that entices your heart to go into worship. 
Sometimes we come in here and we're cranky. Sometimes we come in here and we don't feel good. Sometimes we come in here and we were yelling at our kids in the back seat of the car, telling them to shut up. <laughs> that wasn't this week. I was in a good mood this week. <laughs> but my point is, is that sometimes we don't feel the inside, doesn't feel right when we come in. So what I'm telling you to do is put your arms up anyways. Sometimes I don't wanna. <laughs> My feelings don't wanna. But if you put your arms up and you say, okay, I'm going to put my arms up. I'm going to get myself into a posture of worship. It does something. There is something that transforms, something that happens when you put yourself in a position where you are, when you physically put yourself in a position to feel God. There's a sacrifice that goes on when you say, my flesh doesn't feel like it, but I'm going to put my arm up. Or I'm just going to kind of bow my head quietly. I'm not saying you have to put your arms up. I'm not saying you have to dance around like a banshee like Zeke wants to do. But that's his worship. Some people stand here like this. Some people stand like this or like this. I think there's a sticker on the fridge that's all different ways you can put your hands Arm flap, goal, I mean, chicken, yeah, chicken wings. Flathead screwdriver, oh, there we go. If I do that? I used to think about that when I was younger in worship. Is this, the, where did I put my arm? Here, 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 which way did the hand go? I've actually, does anyone else think those thoughts or am I just crazy? Okay, Gwen thinks, Jeff, you think those thoughts? Thank you. But the point is, is that you do it. <laughs> and I truly believe that in most cases when we put our, our bodies in a position of worship, our hearts will follow along. I truly believe that. And it will change how you feel. Your, your, your emotions, your feelings your sickness, your become back here. Just they, they just don't seem to matter as much when we decide that we want to worship. I want you guys to turn to Songs of Solomon in verse 8. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. And this is the scripture that Alan Hood gave that night. Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death is jealous, is fierce as the grave. It flashes, its flashes are flashes of fire and the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, 
he would be, be utterly despised. Do any of those words sound familiar? Gabby. Gwen, which song? No, close. Natalie, which song? You Won't Relent. That song is kind of an anthem for this church. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Natalie, you want to sing it? <laughs> I ain't going to sing it. And I believe there's a reason why that song speaks, motivates, encourages, entices our church. Because our church is a church that is built to be passionately in love with God. But we have to learn how to do it. And I don't mean just in our worship. I mean in your everyday life. When you're at work, when you're in the car, when you're going to sleep, when you're in the shower, when you're at the grocery store, and the lady cuts you off with the buggy, <laughs> Caleb and I had a fun little incident with the lady. Well, we didn't say anything, but oh, she made me mad. And but the thing is, is I need to figure out a way to act. <laughs> she did. She frustrated me so bad. But I gotta figure out a way to to for God's for me to be so in love with God that in situations, even in my frustration and my anger, His love is still oozing. With that song, there's a second bridge, is that what it would be called, that we, that we kind of added? Some people do it and some people don't, recording artist wise, but we decided to do it, and it was a couple years ago, and it's where we start chanting, there's nothing we want more. There's nothing we want more. You know what I'm talking, okay, that part? I remember the first time we did it. Caleb, Andrew, do you guys remember the first time we did that? Oh my goodness. The first time we did that, it was the first couple times it went through, they're like, huh? I haven't heard that one before. And then all of a sudden, they're like, they're starting to, you know, and then there's the clapping of the hands, and everybody stood up and just started like screaming, there's nothing we want more. And I 100%, I mean, completely every part of me believes that our soul craves a relationship where we feel that way. There's nothing we want more than you, Jesus. We crave a relationship with the Father where there's nothing else more important but it's so hard for us to get our flesh into that alignment with that. To put it into actual everyday practice, it's so foreign to our flesh. Our flesh does not operate that way. We need to understand that it, we are in a battle. Not just the spiritual battle, you know, the angels and the demons, and the, not just that that Aaron talks about all the time, but we are in a battle all the time. <laughs> this stuff here does not 
naturally go into alignment with a, a heart of craving God. So when we say there, there's nothing we want more, there's nothing we want more, there's nothing we want more than you, Jesus, it is literally like a battle cry <laughs> because we are battling that sin in us, that, that decay, that death in us that is wants to die, naturally just dies. But what we are saying is, no, we want to live. When we cry that battle cry, there's nothing we want more, there's nothing we want, we're saying we want to live for you, God. Not die, we want to live. It's us telling our flesh, get back. And letting the very identity that Jesus gave us come forth, which is passionately in love with him. An identity that craves Jesus. I want to read the verses, those verses again. Set me as a seal upon your heart, a seal upon your arm. This is when we say that, we are asking God to, to, to come into a covenant with us, to seal us together. So where we touch him, not, because so often in our worship we think about, oh God, come talk to me, come touch me, come make me feel better, come make me feel better. But what we're saying is, God, I want to touch you. Did you guys know that we could touch God? We move him. We alter how he feels in our worship. So often we think about in our worship and in our, our crying out that we love him, that we're thinking just about what he's giving us, but think about what you're giving him. <laughs> we are so powerful that we move God. So often we think about God moving us, God playing all the pieces that he does and weaving the incredible story that he has wove what's the right word weaved weave woven thank you english was not my strong point so often we're thinking about the the things that he has woven together the intricate details that he's constantly moving and changing but we're not thinking about how we change him i mean think about that you have the power in your worship when you say, I love you, God, to move his heart. And that the love, to keep going back to the scripture, for love is strong as death. Death can't even beat how strong that love is. The love that you have for him doesn't, can't even die. Flashes of fire. Many waters cannot quench it. Nothing here on earth can, can, can quench, can put out the fire of that love. Amen. 
This verse is a song. It's a cry out to God to feel a burning on God's love in our heart. Love is so powerful, so strong that death cannot defeat it. Floodwaters cannot drown it. A love that is so giving that the world does not understand it. Has anyone thought you were crazy because of your love for God? Has anyone picked on you or mocked you because you believe in something you read in a silly book? The world doesn't get it. Flesh does not get it. But what we're talking about something that is that supersedes flesh and bone and the natural, the the tangible thing. The thing you have with your spouse where you can literally touch them. It supersedes that. <laughs> Who's ever been to a concert, like a rock concert or or any concert for that matter, I guess. You know that excitement that's in the air that you can almost feel, like it, like it almost crackles? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? That, it, that just ooh, feeling? I can tell you from the little bit that I know up here, when, it's, when that feeling is out here, it's there too. And when it's there, it's here. And it's there. He feels that. And he gives back, and we take, and we give, and he takes. And there is this, this back and forth that, goes, that just goes crazy. When we are so passionately overwhelmed with the, the, the awesomeness that we get to experience, God, when we get so passionate about that, when we get so madly in love and so overwhelmed, it, it blows up. <laughs> There is no way that others can't feel it. And that's what Aaron's been talking about, what we've been talking about, how this place needs to blow up. We need to get so excited about the opportunity to be together, to be in worship, to be listening to his word, to just have a conversation, to have an interaction with God. We need to be so excited about it that it blows up. I saw two kids playing outside this morning. I want our worship to be so powerful that the, the two kids and the, 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 the man that was out there cleaning his yard turns around and goes, what are they doing over there? What in the world is that? You know, I want them to do that. And there's no reason why it can't if we are doing the work. If we have decided, you know what, God, <laughs> I want to feel you. I want to love you. I want to be passionate about you. There's no reason why it isn't just blowing this place up. I believe that love is the center of what we are. It's the center of what God is. John, 1 John 4, 8 says that. 
Anyone who does not know, does not love, does not know God, because God is love. It is not possible to be out of love and still know God. It is the very center of who he is. And if we want to get to his center, we have to decide to overflow in that love. That our center needs to be love too. So that the two centers meet. I'm not... So often we're, we're, we're satisfied with the, the little song we learned when we were two, you know. Jesus loves me, this I know. You know, we're... But the thing is, is so often we're satisfied. Even as adults, Zeke might go, you know, but the thing is, is so often we're satisfied with just that kind of Christian faith. Jesus loves me, which is great. It's beautiful. It's a great song to see to two-year-olds. But we need to understand that it goes past that. It goes so far past Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you. It needs to go to you love him. Turn in your scriptures to Songs of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Okay. Verse 9 and 10 says, The wine goes smoothly down for my beloved. Gliding over my lips and teeth, I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. I, I don't know if you, if you guys have a lot of experience in reading that book. I didn't until just the last couple of months. I didn't really spend a lot of time. I thought it was just a love letter between King Solomon and, and I believe... She was a Shulamite, if I'm remembering the word correctly, woman. I thought it was just kind of a love letter there, and it was, you know, kind of descriptive and poetic in their love. And I thought it was kind of sappy. Didn't do a whole lot for me. <laughs> but when I put it into perspective of their love for each other and in their love for God and in God's love for them, and then you read that verse... The wine goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over my lips and teeth. See, there's no hindrance when we get passionate about it. There's something sweet and romantic. And it's okay to feel romantic about God. It's okay to feel that, that just, that warmth. As, you know, when you have, a, I'm not promoting drinking here, but you know when you have that glass of wine and sometimes there's that warmth that goes down, you can feel it as it goes past your, 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 your tongue and your lips and there's this warmth that can kind of spread sometimes. That's what God's love actually does. It spreads through your body. You can feel it in your fingertips. You can feel it where it just flows even, you know, throughout, and it changes you. 
there's an acceptance in this. She is saying, God, I accept your love. When she's saying, the, the wine is, is, is a figurative for the love. And she's saying, God, I'm just, I'm soaking it in. I'm taking in your love. I'm absorbing it into who I am. There's an obedience in that. There's an obedience when you're saying, okay, God, I'm just going to take it in. Change me. Alter me. Conform me to your ways. There's, a, there's an obedience to that. It's a symbol. It's a metaphor for, for the love of God that transforms. But like we were talking about earlier with our flesh, they're, they're, we get these hang-ups. <laughs> we get these little hindrances that we're like, mm, but I don't feel good. My knee hurts today, and I don't want to stand up and worship. Or... I mean, you name it. We all have our hang-ups. We can, we can list them all day long if we wanted to. Sometimes our feelings just don't feel like it today. We don't want to. Or sometimes God's wanting you to change in an area that you're just not willing to give over yet. God, I don't want to do that yet. I'm not ready. <laughs> I've heard that one before. I'm not ready to give that area up yet. We're working on it. We're working on it. How about I'm accepting it? I'm changing. The, the, the I'm working on it makes me feel like Okay, I'm, I, I hear you, God, and I'm going to get there at some point. That's <laughs> what it sounds to me. I'm working on it. How about I'm accepting that change into my life? I'm giving that one up to God. I, I, want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm changing. I'm altering. I'm, I'm allowing his love to, to change who I am. Sometimes he's doing things that we don't understand. Sometimes I think our hang-ups are just a lack of trust. I know sometimes tithing is a problem, and it's, that's a hard one to get comfortable with. Here, God, I'm going to give up 10% or more of my income. Hmm? I work hard for that money. I get sneezed on, spit on, kicked on by three and four-year-olds 25 hours a week. I work hard for that money. I have to pray every day that my kids don't get sick <laughs> from the diseases I bring home. Not really. I don't bring diseases home. But <laughs> I don't bring diseases home, Caleb. Trust in the Lord. <laughs> Trust in the Lord, Caleb. <laughs> Trust in the Lord. Hey, okay, you know what? There might be snot involved in my job, but when I walk in and I have 10, or 10 15 kids all around, I'm going, Miss Visha, I love you. I missed you. Uh, whatever, snot, whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm serious. 
you know what? I think God even doesn't mind our snot if we want to come into church and tell him we love him. Just saying. Dan's been coughing for two weeks, and he's still in here saying, Jesus, I, I love you. <laughs> even God doesn't mind snot if it means that we get to tell him we love him. <laughs> I know, I had to throw something gross in there. I'm sorry. Developing love goes way past snot, trust, laziness. Hello? Can anyone identify with a little bit of laziness on why we're not being obedient to God? Because I can. That new TV show I found on Netflix last week. <laughs> when we put those things aside, we're saying that our love for him is more important. Our need for him is more important. And his need for us is more important. Because remember, you have the power to move God, to change his heart, to feel, to move him. He needs you too. I've given the example a couple times of, of a love between a husband and wife. Paul said it for said it gave us some instructions that some people are uncomfortable with in Ephesians five. Wives submit to your husbands. Some people are uncomfortable with that. But it's because I didn't read the next sentence. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church. In our love for God, we are the ones to be the submissive. We are the bride. We are to be submissive to God. We need to follow his lead and trust that he can take care of our needs, just as wives are supposed to trust that their husbands are going to take care of those needs. And husbands, Jesus set up a pretty good example and a pretty heavy one. Jesus laid it all on the cross for us. We sang that when we sang, See His Love. It's one of my favorite songs as well. See his love. I mean, seriously, how much more could he say, hey, I love you, when he's eight there on the cross, hanging there for hours, slowly, excruciatingly dying? Last week, we celebrated Easter. We saw, we celebrate the results of that love. But yet, it's so hard for us to trust him in our daily lives. It's so hard to trust him in our words, and our actions, and our thoughts, and our deeds, and in our home life, in our public life? Why is it so hard for our love to be so passionate, to be so all-consuming? So guys, to wrap it up, the point of this is that I believe God is dealing with me about becoming that overwhelmingly passionate in love so that I can talk to you guys about it. I really do. God has been changing me in my worship, but not just here. 
there, I have been a blubbering idiot in the car a lot lately. <laughs> a blubbering it. Hey, did you just say yep? Seriously? There is a joke that every time break every chain comes on the car in the car, they go, "Mom's gonna cry again." But the thing is, is it's true. I do. I've become this blubbering, crying fool. Like. I'm washing dishes or doing laundry. <laughs> because just that love just is, and I'm not telling you guys you all have to be blubbering idiots. Not telling you that you got to be blubbering idiots or dancing around like you're crazy. But what I'm saying is that whatever you are doing, be passionate about what you're doing. It's not status quo. Being a Christian should not be something we hang out and do on a Sunday morning, and maybe Wednesday if you feel like it. It should go so far past that. It should be an all-consuming relationship. Caleb and, I, Caleb and I have talked about this sometimes. That just when he's at work, I feel like something's missing. And he's just at work. He's 15 minutes down the road. I mean, Seriously. He's 15 minutes down the road. But yet, I send him texts all day long because I just need to feel that connection. It's, I get made fun of because I feel I like i got to reach out to him just a little bit. But what God is telling me lately, and what I think he wants to really tell you guys too, is to feel that kind of passionate and just feel that little connection with him all the time. That when you don't, feel connected with him, something is missing. You might as well just like lose a limb or something. It needs to be that tangible for you. So I want to challenge you guys to have an affair. And that's Aaron's word. He told me that last week. He goes, so you're saying you have like a love affair. And I'm like, that's exactly it. I have a love affair with God. So I want to encourage you guys to all go have affairs with God. With God. Natalie, go have an affair with God. In about three minutes. Okay? And <laughs> seriously. I want you guys to think about that next time. What song are we doing? Oh my goodness. Come on, seriously. The more I seek you. Guys, come on. Could the song be any more? If it, the, the more I seek you, tip of my toes. In, your, in this worship that we're fixing to go into, guys, feel it so strongly that you feel it in the tip of your toes, that it changes your physical being. <clears throat> so... Um, if the worship team wants to go ahead and get on up here, that'd be great. Thank you. Oh, Caleb took pictures of me. I saw it. Oh, no. Even worse, maybe video. I'm trying not to think about the thing Andrew's got set up in the back. So, guys, we're going to go into worship. Uh, it's only going to be, you know, a few minutes but I really want you to feel changed. I want you to think about what we talked about, about 
your love that you can you have the opportunity to give him changes him you are so powerful